Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone and welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 324 of the world's least dangerous podcast while we're quarantined. I'm Chad Dotson. Joining me again today, the guru of RedLegNation.com and RedsMinorLeagues.com, Doug Gray. How are you today, Doug? You know, for it being the middle of May and not having baseball, I'm doing fairly well. But when's the last time the Cincinnati Reds were tied for first place this late in the season? You know, I don't even want to want to throw a number out there because I feel like it might be a little bit too depressing. That's, that's my glass half full take. Hey, we're still tied for first. That's true. That's true. We're, we're definitely not in last. <laughs> and that's my story and I'm sticking to it. There you go. Not a lot of news, obviously, to talk about this week. A little bit of uh, negotiating through the media between the players' union and the owners, but... Uh, there was a tiny bit of Reds-related news, and I don't know, maybe it's just that there's been such a lack of actual Reds uh, baseball news that just seeing this, even though I, I think we kind of all expected this to be the case, uh, yeah, I don't know, it just kind of made me happy to see it. And and that was that Dick Williams, basically, uh, the Reds president of baseball operations, said that Eugenio Suarez and Nick Senzel, you know, who were injured, obviously, in the offseason, well, Senzel had surgery at the end of the season last year, but both were limited uh, starting spring training this year. They're both going to be good to go, ready to go. They expect them. I think the full go for both was what Dick Williams said. So, again, not really that surprising to me, but I don't know. Did it give you a little pick-me-up like it did me, Doug? I mean, given the situation that we're all in, uh, just the idea that you know that extra time helped those guys, or at least in theory should help those guys when we get baseball back, it, it, it did give me a little a little bit of spring in my step this afternoon. I was like, yeah, I, I like that. Um, I like you know, you without put- really without really thinking about what actually is all conspired to make that you know an actual piece of news. But yeah, yeah, I would have pre- preferred them to just get ready as soon as they could get ready, even if they had to miss some games. As long as we had games, you know, beginning yeah. in uh, in yeah. I mean, March. you know, Nick Senzel was, you know, he had started four games right there before everything shut down, and you know, Suarez felt like he was kind of right there on the precipice of getting back into games too. So, I mean, I, I, I mean, it feels like it's been four decades, Chad. But I mean, the, the conversation was, you know, are they going to be ready? And that, that at the very least, that kind of gave you the idea that you know, if they're not ready to start, you know, on opening day. It might just be, you know, the minimum amount of time allowed to be missed to start the season. So, yeah. So for this twenty-game regular season, we're going to have at least we're going to have them for all twenty games. <laughs> yeah, but if we get like a sixty-game playoff season, Ooh. now we're talking. Presuming the Reds can make. The oh playoffs. no, 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 Chad! They're going to make the playoffs. Oh, thank you. Okay, uh, now that's more uh, more positivity. I love it. Some finally some positivity in this uh, podcast. I like how you put it at redlegnation.com about the, the Suarez and Zell stuff. Hey, look, if there's any kind of possible silver lining in any of this, uh, you know, uh, COVID-19 nonsense, there, there it is. That's that's the only little tiny sliver of a hey, silver I, I'm, lining. I'm, I'm trying to keep everything going in the right direction. I appreciate that. Now, we, will, we can talk here just very briefly because there's not a whole lot really to discuss. Uh, nothing's changed other than the, the sides, the owners and the players are just negotiating through the media, but they're not actually really necessarily at the table yet. And then we have, uh, and, and Doug, jump in with uh, any thoughts that you have, but we'll, basically what we saw this week was, you know, obviously the players uh, reacted to the idea that the they were going to have to change their uh, amount of revenue sharing, essentially, their, their, reduce their salaries even further 
because of all this, and they didn't uh, react too well to the proposal that was not actually a written proposal, I don't think, yet. That doesn't come until next week, supposedly. But that's what Major League Baseball was leaking to the media, and they didn't like that idea because they thought they already agreed on what the salaries were going to be. And then uh, you know, MLB released a very detailed health plan, and the, and the union has kind of been looking over that, and they say they're going to respond to that soon. And I think that we do know that uh, – I think supposedly next week they're going to respond to that, the health plan side of it. But baseball, I believe, is supposed to be – the owners, I should say, Major League Baseball, they're supposed to be uh, producing the actual economic plan that they can actually negotiate over here soon, right? Is that Am I stating that correctly? Mostly. Uh, actually, it, and I think it's actually since we started recording this, uh, the Players Association actually did respond with their – I don't want to say counteroffer, but their other their ideas that they want to see expanded upon in the, in the health proposal. Oh, okay. Well, I hadn't seen that. Um, and, and so, you know, they – there were a few little minor things. Uh, I think that the, the biggest thing was that uh, one they want to be they want to be able to shower at the stadiums, uh, and they they want something to be done about you know kind of the the recovery stations. Uh, you know, there's different things that they do after the games that kind of help these guys you know recover from the game, um, you know, and get prepared for the next day. And right now that stuff was kind of off the table because you know most of those are shared facilities kinds of things and. Uh, obviously, Major League Baseball and the health officials kind of are like, well, we don't really want that to be going on. Uh, and so I, they're kind of trying to say, hey, we, we need that stuff because it keeps us healthy and able to perform at our best. And, you know, if we're not doing that, then what are we like? Why are we even doing any of this? So I think that their plan is to try and, you know, say, hey, we need to find a way to make this happen. Um, and so they, they did come back with that one today. Yeah, you know, I mean, I understand the players uh... – thought process there because just me as just as a fan i've always wanted to shower at the stadium and they never let me <laughs> i maybe look reds i know you're listening to this Yeesh. uh you know maybe maybe like you know what, what's a diamond seat cost like 225 bucks shower seats okay? Ooh, shower seven seven hundred and fifty dollars chad you might be the only one that buys one but you know what i feel like right now everybody's crying about the money Bob Castellini, you can get seven hundred and fifty bucks right now. Chad Dawson will give it to you. I gotta tell you, you know, in uh, these late July games when it's hundred degrees down there on the field, I don't know that that might actually be a a perk. <laughs> so the uh, the union is going to come back uh, at some point after they receive the actual economic plan. But how uh, again? I'm, I've got. I don't want to get too deep into this because really, there's not a lot to actually propose or actually discuss about the proposals, because we don't really know exactly what the proposals are. But I'm just getting so sick of the negotiating through the media. I mean, and how disingenuous is it for Rob Manfred, Major League Baseball's owner, to say that they're gonna that the MLB's gonna lose four billion dollars if teams are if, if games are not played. I mean it's just you know, they're they're not interested in negotiating in good faith. They're interested in uh, trying to score points on Twitter. It seems like to me. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember who it was. Uh, there was it was a national writer, but basically they came down with you know, Major League Baseball doesn't really care about you know being truthful uh, because they don't expect people to actually do the math and run the numbers on it because the general public is not going to do that. Uh, all they care about is winning the PR battle, and they're they're doing just that. Yeah, that's exactly right. Who can win the the PR battle? It's just it's completely ludicrous, and I I don't know that we even need to discuss it much more. At RedLegNation.com, you this week uh, noted a couple of things uh, that I thought were interesting. Actually, every day there's something interesting at RedLegNation.com. Go there every day. But uh, I thought you had noted a couple of 
alternate proposals uh, from people outside of baseball for for the season, how the season could take place. You know, we're all talking about what's the season going to look like, and that's we've talked about that plenty on this podcast. And I liked, uh, I think, J.J. Cooper of Baseball America, and uh, none other than Bryce Harper had a couple of ideas that I thought were pretty interesting. I'll go. Let me run through J.J. Cooper, his plan, J.J. Cooper Baseball America. He said, 44-game regular season with a 20-team playoff. He said, maybe it could be expanded to 60 games instead of 44-game regular season, but uh, what do you think about that plan? A 44- or 60-game regular season and a 20-team playoff. That's pretty radical, isn't it? I mean, it is, but I, I think that if you're ever going to do something wild and crazy, this is the kind of year you would do it, right? I mean, nobody is going to look back at this, no matter how it plays out, and feel like it was you know, necessarily a, a normal season. So if, if you're going to go for it, just really go for it. You know, I'm as uh, much of a traditionalist as anyone, you know. Uh, I don't like change in baseball that much, except that it's fine, whatever. But I would be on board for literally just about anything they could come up with. Just be silly. I don't care. Do just whatever plan you come up with. This is it's a it's this not a regular regular season already. Okay, we already know that it's not going to be like anybody expects. So go crazy. Whatever you want to do, twenty team playoff. I mean, I don't know how that makes sense money wise to have a you know that much bigger playoff than having those teams being able to play regular season games. But then again, uh, since most of the money is going to be made on television rights. The rest of the season, it seems like. And I don't know. Maybe that does make sense. I, I don't know. Well, I mean, it depends on who you, whose side you're on. If you, if you listen to Trevor Bauer, he's kind of gone into it about how you know a lot of the money is made on the playoff contracts more so than the regular season contracts. So if if that's the issue, you know, if you can go to Fox and ESPN and TBS and be like, hey, we've got two extra rounds of playoffs. Um, you know, what do you say you give us $400 million for that? or whatever the number is. Uh, I mean, there, there might be a lot more money in it that way rather than, you know, playing, say, 65 or 75 games and having a quote-unquote normal playoff. Yeah, I could see it. And you're also going to get some of the uh, the national interest in some of these games similar to the March Madness, the NCAA basketball tournament, where you oh, got an upset brewing here, you know, and uh, you got a lot more markets right. interested in the playoff baseball, and you got the upset aspect of it. I don't know. I can see how it'd be yeah, fun. I mean, I, I mean, give Miami Marlins, New York Yankees in the first round. Let's see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. And so, yeah, some number one seed, because it's baseball. That's what happens in right. baseball. Some number yeah, one yeah, seed is going to get knocked off. Yeah, if you got five games, anything can happen. Absolutely. So, yeah, that'd be, that, could be, that could be fun. I still like my or it idea. Could be abs- it could be absolutely miserable, too, if you're <laughs> on the losing end of that. But, you know, those things happen even when you play 162. So, Yeah, I mean, I mean if, if we accept that we're going to get a shorter season, then, I, you know, I think, uh, let me get, have a chance. Give me a chance to get just get me in the get me in the tournament, and, and who knows? I, I don't know. I kind of like the idea. Yeah. Uh, if, if my team's holding the trophy at the end of the year, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if the, what if the Marlins win their third uh, World Series uh, since the Reds have won their last one? What if, what if that happened? That that wouldn't be such a good result. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I like you anymore, Chad. That hurts. The Reds have stunk for almost three decades, Doug Gray. So my whole life, yeah, no, I know, I understand. Uh, I, do, do, I, I remember. Unfortunately, that's all I remember is the Reds stinking. But the Reds were going to be good this year. Well, I mean, we hoped they were. They were good. I mean, I, I mean, I still hope that they are going to be, but uh, yeah, I don't want to see the Marlins holding that trophy before I see the Reds holding it again. So it's easy to look at everything through a uh, Cincinnati sports related, uh, you know, prism. But man, it just feels like 
the one time the Reds actually try to win. Literally <laughs> the one time. Yeah. The universe has, I, I've said this before on the podcast, but just, I think about it every so often. I'm like, man, the universe just had to conspire against Cincinnati sports, didn't they? They did. They really did. And I, I will not be convinced otherwise. <laughs> Let's talk about Bryce Harper's proposal, which was uh, as radical in its own way. And uh, evidently he had an Instagram post. You all heard of, of the Instagram? It's one of these applications for your telephone. It's where all the, the young 20-somethings hang out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the 20-somethings, right. But the, the teens, they're on the TikTok. They are on the TikTok. And yeah. I don't know if Bryce Harper's there or not, but that's not where anybody was talking about his plan at. Exactly. The Cincinnati Reds are on TikTok. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. And good for them. They need to be. Sure. Everybody knows that baseball needs younger fans. So, Yeah, and, and Cincinnati Reds fans uh, don't exist in the, in the younger age bracket because they've been garbage for three decades. Well, that's fair. But, I mean, you know, if you can get, you know, Rosie on there, Mr. Redlake's doing some fun dances, you know, then maybe, maybe, maybe they'll bring them back in, Chad. I don't want to hear about Mr. Redlegs because you heard my story on, uh, on the Twitters this week, I bet, didn't you? About uh, uh, Mr. Redlegs, let me uh, let me refresh you. Oh, I forgot, I forgot. You blocked me on Twitter. I did not block you. <laughs> we were talking about the uh, you know favorite uh, Reds related memory that uh, Reds related, but not actually mm. baseball related. Yes, now I remember. Yeah, and I relayed the time that uh, we were on the on the field at Great American Ballpark. The Reds were nice enough to let us out on the field before the game, and players were warming up, throwing. And we, uh, my kids were uh, young. My daughter was five at the time. And, missed, and I posted a picture, so if you if you get on Twitter, you can see it, or on my Instagram, actually, I put it on there as well. But uh, Mr. Redlegs terrified my five-year-old daughter so much that she took off sprinting into the Pirates' dugout. And the Pirates players, some of them were laughing, some of them were like, what is going on? I'm trying to get ready for work here. And I was chasing after my daughter into the Pirates' dugout. It was, uh, it was a good day. Well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, was it? Because I feel like your daughter has been scarred for life in that day. <laughs> she has. She talks about it all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, she probably talks about it on the TikTok. But anyway, we are talking about Bryce Harper. And, and I, as I do commonly, I got off on a tangent. But I want to get your thoughts on his idea. Start the season in July. Run it through mid-November. 135 games. Each team would get an off day every two weeks on a Monday. Sunday would be a doubleheader day consisting of two seven-inning games. Rosters, 30 players. He said a six-man rotation if the, if the pitchers wanted that. Universal designated hitter. And then for the playoffs, it's kind of like the College World Series. A 10-team round-robin tournament, neutral site, then uh, winners move on, losing team. Um, if you know how the College World Series works, and I do because my uh, my alma mater won the College World Series a few years ago. Um, so there you go. And uh, I thought it's not going to happen. Well, maybe we'll. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? We say it's not going to happen, but I don't think we know anything until they start negotiating. But I would be very surprised if we got 135 games in. But uh, what do you think about Bryce Harper's proposal? In theory, I like it. Uh, with you, I'm, I'm kind of in in this reality situation where there's no way they're playing 135 games. I can't see it. Um, I, mean, it I mean, well, I mean, not just that. I mean, they they basically come out and said, you know, we want to be done by November. Because, you know, some of the earlier plans they floated out there had them playing it in November and December at neutral sites where it'd be warm or they had a dome or whatever. And they kind of pushed that back because they're concerned about a, a second wave of this happening and shutting everything down in the in the, in the winter. Uh, and so, you know, the, the recent plan has been be done by the start of November. Uh, so that way they can get through the playoffs. 
or at least that's the hope. Um, and so I just did for, for that reason alone, it's not going to happen. But, you know, as, as the minor league guy, I've been to, you know, back to back doubleheaders that are seven innings. I like them. Yeah. I mean, I've been to a, I've been to a few doubleheaders in the major leagues where, you know, they have two full nine inning games. And those are fine, too. But I, I think that there, there's a little bit more at stake in the, in the major leagues and the the amount of arms you have to deal with and go through for those things that eh, seven innings works just fine for me. And again, a season where, you know, everybody's just kind of like, eh, whatever. It's going to be a wild season. Let's just do things. So I like it. I I, I enjoy the the, the playoff idea too, given that, well, let me rephrase it. If you're going to play 135 games, I don't get the round robin kind of playoffs. If you're going to play a shorter season, I really like the round robin type playoffs. Uh, Going back to the double headers quickly. I've seen some complaints about the idea of two seventy double headers, and I don't, I, you know, I don't get it. Again, I'm a traditionalist, but that doesn't give me any heartburn. As for the uh, playoffs, I'm with you. Uh, however, we end up with the season, I, you know, we t- just talked about JJ uh, Cooper's idea with the twenty team, and that'd be fun too. But that College World Series is, uh, for those of you that have, have actually watched, you know, it's it's tense, it's exciting. Maybe get a few more teams uh, involved and and at a neutral site, and it could be a could be a lot of fun. I don't know. I like that idea, but we'll see. It'd be really interesting to see. I'm still, you know, firmly in the category of the only reason they won't play baseball this year is if the owners don't want to play baseball. That's still my opinion, and there, there's a chance of that that they just kick it if they can't uh, smack the union around uh, sufficiently. So, but I hope they do something crazy with the playoffs. That's that's also my that's my hot take as a traditionalist, quote unquote. I hope they do something crazy, whatever it is. I don't care. Just do something different, and let's have some fun as long as the well, the Reds being in it, that would be something different, I guess, huh? <laughs> that well, you know, unfortunately, yes, that would be something different, and I support this plan. All right, let's uh, maybe answer some viewer mail questions. What do you think? I'm in. I right, let's go. Before we do that, I ask for some suggested topics for this week's uh, podcast because it's harder every week to talk about things. Although somehow nothing happened this week. And we just spent about 20 minutes talking about it. So, you know, that's pretty impressive. That's, that's, what, we, that's what we do, Chad. That's what we do. We just talk. We do. Now, uh, the, the suggested topic from our buddy Joe Farsing, who loves to hear his name said on the podcast, as you can tell, but uh, he, he suggested this in our Slack channel. It's one of the perks of being one of the crew at uh, patreon.com slash redlegradio. And he said, why don't you discuss the uh, all-time, your all-time lineups, all-time Cincinnati Reds, Lineups. And I thought, oh, that would be a good topic for discussion. We could spend some time on that. And then Doug and I were talking about it a little bit before we went on air, and I'm not entirely sure we can do better, Doug, than what uh, MLB did in the, the Dream Bracket thing that we talked about on the last podcast. Uh, uh, what, what do you think? I mean, it, that was a pretty good lineup. Um, I mean, I, I know that we had kind of discussed that, you know, maybe you've got some wiggle room with the designated hitter. Uh, but I, I think that the, you know, the – the starting eight and the pitchers were, I mean, they were pretty much right in line with what I'd go with. Yeah, the pitchers, I may have a, a little bit more of a quibble, but let's talk about the lineup really quickly. Uh, Johnny Bench is catcher. I mean, who else are you going to put at catcher than Johnny Bench in, in terms of an all-time Reds lineup? Uh, Ramon Hernandez, maybe? Ooh, possibly. What about Eddie mm-hmm. Taubenzi? Maybe. It, you know what? If it's a Sunday special, Eddie Taubenzi can get in there. There I'll we allow go. It. Although I would like to see uh, Dan Billardello in AAA. Just stash him in AAA just in case there are injuries. First base, Joey Votto. Makes sense to me. I mean, and, you know, it's not like the Reds don't have other good options there, but Joey Votto is just, um, he's Joey Votto. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, who else do you take there? I mean, Tony Perez is obviously in that conversation. Uh, uh, Pete Rose would have to be in that conversation. Um, Klazuski, Ted Klazuski's in that conversation. Who else am I missing at first base? Scott Hatterberg. Ooh, Sean Casey. Yeah, no, it's pretty much got to be, you know, if you're going to have a a real conversation about it, it's Klazuski, Perez, and Votto, right? Yeah, I think those are probably your... uh, your three top choices. Second base, Joe Morgan. Uh, let's not embarrass anyone else in, that played second base in the history of the Reds by suggesting that it could be anyone other than Joe Morgan. Is is that? Am I overstating the case for Joe Morgan? You're not, because Joe Morgan is incredible. True. Third base, Pete Rose was the, the dream bracket third baseman. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Uh, Tony Perez is another one that's uh, in there in that uh, conversation. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think who else might be in the third base conversation. Doug, anyone else? I not really, no. I mean, if if, if you're going to put Pete Rose there, who else can possibly even make an argument there? Like, it just, you know, everybody knows how I feel about Pete Rose, but, you know, if if he's on the team at a position, I mean, there's, I mean, two or three other guys that you can put ahead of him, maybe, at any position. Yeah. And third base, third base isn't it, so. <laughs> yeah, you can sneak him in there. You can, yeah, he's in the conversation at uh, other positions as well, first base, second base, uh, left field, right field. But, uh, yeah, I think you put him in there. I, I don't know. Although you can make a strong argument for Tony Perez there as well. Left field, George Foster. Yeah. I mean. I mean, <laughs> I mean Adam, Adam Dunn. Yeah, Adam Dunn. I mean, and I. Adam Dunn's in my I, all-time I saw, lineup, but, uh, you know, come on. Adam but, Dunn was not better than George Foster. I'm sorry to, right, say, to say I, that. Yeah, it's, I, I, I think George has got the. Got the easy easy victory on that one. Yeah. Center field, Eric Davis. Who else is in that conversation? I mean, Veda Pinson. Veda Pinson. Um, Ed Roush. Yeah. Hall of Famer. Yeah. I mean, it's... I wouldn't put him out of Davis, but... I, I think this might be one of those times where it comes down to when you're trying to figure out who to put there. Are you kind of looking at a guy's career? Looking at their peak season, maybe you know a five-year peak, because that can that can change things a little bit. So it might just all depend. If you want to go with Eric Davis and say, hey, you know, you know, for for those five years where he was the greatest, you know, it's tough to put somebody ahead of him. If you're going to say, you know, we're looking at the entire career for a red, well, maybe he isn't the guy then. Yeah, yeah. Does does Corey Patterson sneak in there somehow? I mean, it depends on who the manager is, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. A little dusty uh, action here on the uh, Red Lake Nation Radio podcast. I did not say any names. <laughs> um, yeah, I, mean, I think it's Eric Davis. I still maintain, this is my uh, sort of hot take, that Eric Davis, there are not 10 better baseball players that have ever played baseball than Eric Davis. I'm term, uh, you know, in, t- in terms of his ability, he couldn't stay on the field. He was injured. I know. But there are not ten better, more talented baseball players that have ever played baseball. How hot does that take? I'm not sure that it's. I mean, it's a hot take, but I feel like you could make an actual argument for it too. It may not. It may not win every you know courtroom battle, but I feel like there'd be like an actual argument made for it. What you are forgetting here, Doug Gray, is that I do in fact win every courtroom battle. And yes, I have but... for many years. <laughs> oh, I mean, you're probably right. You can disagree but... with me if you want, but you're not going to win the argument in my courtroom. Uh, yes, in your courtroom. But <laughs> I'm fairly certain that in this courtroom, you would uh, not be the judge of I think this. you're right. 
I think you're right. Right field, Frank Robinson, that's part of the clearest of any of these, other than maybe catcher. Well, on second base. Right. Anybody else with Frank yeah, Robinson? If somebody wants to try and argue somebody else over Frank Robinson, we're going to have some fighting words. Yeah, really. Now, I skipped shortstop for some reason because I'm not smart. Um, Barry Larkin <laughs> is who they picked. And uh, yeah, in that conversation, Concepcion, Dave Concepcion, anyone else really in that conversation? I mean, I mean, I'm not even sure Concepcion is in that right. conversation, and, and that's no no disrespect to Dave Concepcion. Barry Larkin was just that good. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, I mean, the, I, the, the, guy, the guy's a Hall of Famer for a reason. When I say conversation, you're right. It's really not a conversation, but Concepcion's, I guess, number two. Yeah, and he, I mean, he's really good, too. He just wasn't Barry Larkin, and again, that's, that's no disrespect whatsoever. Just Larkin's yeah. really good. So DH, they had Ted Klazuski on the the dream bracket thing. I, yeah, I think maybe you make an argument for uh, for Pinson. Uh, I like Adam Dunn, Tony Perez. I mean, there's there's other guys you could name, but Klazuski was he was good. Yeah, I mean that that might be another one of those times where it comes down to are you taking a guy who's got those you know four really good peak years versus longevity, and then maybe you go with you know Tony Perez or well, I mean. I don't know if I'd even take Adam Dunn, even though I, I really like what Adam right. Dunn can do as a hitter. Yeah. <sighs> I agree. You know I love so, Dunn. What about yes. the starting pitchers? They had four. Right. Tom Seaver, Jim Maloney, Mario Soto, and Jose Rijo. You know, uh, I have I dispute some there. I, I feel like I'd sneak Johnny Cueto in there for sure. Cueto's one of the names. Here's the, here are the names that I think need to be in this conversation as well. Johnny Cueto. Um... Jimmy Haynes. Wait a second. Uh, Epirixi. I think Epirixi, uh, all joking aside, uh, we'll leave Jimmy Haynes out of there. But Epirixi, I think uh, Dolph Luque, I think Bucky Walters. I think all those guys need to be in that conversation. I'd probably put every one of those guys ahead of Maloney. Although Maloney was the Reds pitcher of the 60s, he was great. I mean, he really was. He was better than you r- people realize. But, you know, and, and Seaver, I mean, he was good. He was really good, and he was Tom Seaver, one of the best pitchers in baseball history. But if it's just the Reds, right. yeah, I don't... does his career with the Reds stack up with some of these other names? And I just, I, I'm with you. I I, I don't know. <laughs> That's a tough argument for me to make. Yeah. yeah the the dream bracket, whoever created it, they, they kind of cheated, and they put Johnny Cueto and, and Don Golan in the bullpen. So those are two starters. I don't know. So they're 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 playing by nineteen sixties and seventies pitching staff rules with four starters. They were yes. So anyway, you know, I don't know that we can do a, on the pitching staff. Maybe we can do better. But yeah, uh, lineup wise, I think they probably got it right. As much as I hate to say, MLB Network got anything right? I don't know. All right, viewer mail. This is what we started to do a moment ago, and uh, I interrupted us. We're going to answer the first batch of viewer mail questions that are going to come from our friends at patreon.com slash redlegradio, where you too can support this uh, crazy growing community. Appreciate you all. First question from Tony Shrek. Any thoughts about the ESPN article that came out speculating that the Reds would have one of the best designated hitter situations in the National League and top 10 in all of Major League Baseball? This is obviously referring to the fact that it seems like there's a pretty good chance we're going to get universal DH this year, one way or the other, if we play. And uh, and some some places, especially this ESPN piece, have said oh, the Reds look like a pretty good uh, pretty good group. And I, my thoughts are, yeah, I think they should. They've got a lot of guys that could play that position. Um, uh, who we got? we got? Joey Votto, obviously, on, on days that he's not playing in the field. 
you've got uh, Sinzel, you've got Aquino, you've got uh, well, in, you know, Jesse Winker, Nick Castellanos. Yeah, I mean, if, if, depending on the pitching matchup, maybe you go with Shogo. Yeah, people I mean, talk about the Reds' crowded outfield, but that is actually it's perfect in terms of. I don't think it's that crowded. First of all, I think you need all those guys, but yeah, it seems like it's perfect in in a situation where there's a DH. Right? It seems like the Reds are perfectly uh, positioned to take advantage of that. Did Dick Williams, Nick Crawl know something that we didn't know when they started assembling this roster last winter? Dick Williams and Nick Crawl know many things that I do not know. <laughs> I feel like maybe they knew the DH was coming. <laughs> That's why they just piled just up didn't... on these. Well, especially uh, guys like um, Castellanos, who's not particularly a uh, noted as a fielder, you know, um, a guy like him, and and even Akiyama, who we yeah, he's got a good reputation defensively, but we don't really know where he can play, and he kind of was an odd fit for the Reds. So, I, again, I'm not for the DH. I'm willing to let them, let them go crazy this year, but if we get the Universal DH this year, it's never it's going to be here forever. I'm just telling you that now. But um, which and I don't like it, and I have my reasons for that. But if we're going to do it, yeah, I think it probably helps the Reds. I guess marginally, and, you know. Here, here's here's where I'm at. It it helps the Reds in a traditional American League National League situation, but if that's not what we're going to get this year, which it doesn't seem like it is going to be that, I mean, it helps the Reds more than most other National League teams. But you've got to beat American League teams too to make the playoffs, whatever they wind up being this year. At least as far as everything we know, because it just seems like you know we're going to get the, you know, the divisions in terms of your ge- your geographical. D- regular division. So American League East and National League East are just going to be like the Major League East or whatever, whatever they end up wanting to call it. Uh, and so, you know, the Reds definitely get a benefit versus most other National League teams because of the depth and options they've got to put at DH. But compared to American League teams, I mean, do the Reds really have a, a, an advantage over teams that went out and have, you know, gotten actual designated hitters over the last couple of years? I don't know so much. I feel like right. Fangraphs had something a couple weeks ago that looked at all of this, and the Reds were kind of middle of the pack overall in Major League Baseball when it came to the guys they thought could be DHs, just because most of the American League has somebody like that already. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a strong point, certainly. And uh, I was basically comparing them to other National League teams in my thinking. But uh, I don't know. I, I think it helps the Reds, even if it's only marginal, marginally helpful, depending on how the how the league ends up. Yeah, and you know, it, especially in a, in a shorter season, that margin, even if it's just one game, that could be huge. It's a good point. One, one, one game in, say, 60-game season, it's a lot more valuable than you know one game in a 162-game season. Yeah, no question. Next question from patreon.com slash redlegradio comes from our buddy Joe Farsing. This is a classic Farsing question. Farsicle. Why is a clipboard... Pronounced just like both root words, but cupboard is pronounced as cupboard. Should we start saying clipboard for clipboard instead, or would no. you, or would you prefer cupboard to be said as it's spelled? I like them the way they are because I'm old and I hate change. But I'm also going to say the English language is really weird about all kinds of things, and that's just I, I think that they just like to trick us and confuse us. Yeah, the English that's language all. is crazy. And Joe's trying to uh, trying to provoke me into saying something I wouldn't ordinarily say, but I'm going to read, I'm going to pronounce it correctly though. Joe, at the end of his uh, question, he said, "This query is brought to you by Doctor Rusty Kuntz, OBGYN." He, uh, why, why does he do this? Why does he do this to us? 
I, I mean, I I think that he pays for the right to do this. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. That's why I put up with him. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Joe, Joe does have fun questions, though. He really does. He does. Jeff Euchler asks, so if the season starts sometime this summer, which Reds do you expect to be most troubled by the short season? Notorious slow starters like Joey Votto are essentially useless if they stick to past form because they aren't going to get right until Christmas. We always talk about how long the season is and how things will even out, but that just isn't true in an 80-game season. On a related note, will the shorter season change the way pitchers are used since there is an increased incentive to play every game like there is no tomorrow? Let me take that second one first, Doug. I think that there's good, absolutely the way pitchers are used is going to change somehow, depending on how many games there are. And, and, and some of that change is going to be the fact that, that managers are probably going to have way more pitchers at their disposal when they uh, figure out how the rosters work out. But I don't know that uh, the pitchers are going to be used in any way that's going to harm their, uh, you know, uh, their health. Uh, teams are still going to be cautious with pitchers, but I think that, yeah, every game will be more important. Um, first question, you know, it's hard to say which Reds are going to be most troubled by the short season, but it's no question, like uh, Jeff Euchler says, no doubt about it, that if Joey Votto starts off slow like he has the last few years, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a bad scene, right? Yeah, it, it will be, um, and hopefully, you know that that doesn't happen. Um, I mean, for me, I'm more worried about the pitchers, just in general. I mean, you mentioned kind of the the health aspect of things, but um, you know, it seems that by the end of, of a normal spring training, the hitters have generally caught up with the pitchers. Uh, they always kind of have that advantage early on in spring training. Um, it, it seems that right now. The plan is to have a shorter than normal resumption of spring training, but these guys have been off for you know two months at this point. Uh, if, if spring training starts quote unquote on time for kind of what they're, they're proposing, it's been almost three months, uh, and then they're going to get what three weeks to get ready to go. I mean, is is that going to be enough time to get where you need to be to get major league baseball hitters out? I, I just don't know, and so you know, obviously it, it helps that. You know, if you've got better pitchers, that the the lesser version of them is going to be better than you know the guys that don't have those guys. But uh, that that that's more where I'm looking at for guys that maybe would get out to slow starts as pitchers who just they needed you know those six weeks of spring training to get where they needed to be, and now they're going to be having three weeks. Yeah, I think that what we're also going to see from uh, both pitchers and hitters, but we're going to see some crazy outlier seasons, like some player is going to get crazy hot. And his numbers by the end of the season, because it's a shorter season, are going to look way better than anyone would ever expect. And some guy's going to start off really slow, and their numbers are going to be worse because they haven't had time to kind of recover from that. I think we're going to see a lot of outliers on both sides. I want to see somebody hit 400 just so you have in, – in 20 years from now, people are going to be like asterisk, asterisk. <laughs> it, could count. it could it happen. It could happen. And, and, and if it's ever going to happen – you know, yeah. having a 60-game season, that's when it could. Yeah, that's the only time. All right, so uh, Jeff had another one. On a non-baseball note, is everyone as excited as I am that Bill & Ted 3, Bill & Ted Face the Music, is due to come out at the end of the summer? If not, what is wrong with you? Doug, I am terribly excited about Bill & Ted 3. I've been waiting for years for this. The greatest franchise in movie history, the Bill & Ted franchise. Are you uh, excited about it? Yes, and I, I think the question is absolutely right. If you're not, what is wrong with you? Exactly. What is wrong with you? Bill and Ted. Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan. And we could all, in this day and age of uh, partisanship and so much divide in this country, we could really do well to listen to their uh, prescription for happiness in the world, which is 
be excellent to each other, and party on, dudes. I like it. It's absolutely. It's a, it, it's, it's a great message. It's the message we need. Joe Farsing asks, can you rank these James Earl Jones baseball movies? The Bingo Long Traveling All-Stars and Motor Kings, Field of Dreams, and The Sandlot. So those are our three choices. We're going to rank them one to three. I'll let you go first. The three choices again. The Bingo Long Traveling All-Stars and Motor Kings, Field of Dreams, and The Sandlot. Well, I'm going to go with The Sandlot, which is the one of the three movies that James Earl Jones is actually in the least. Oh, good point. So you're going with that number one. That's my number one. What's number two? I'm going to go Field of Dreams, even though, you know, I, I can see both sides, but I, I I feel like more and more, I feel like you can make the argument it's not really a baseball movie. It's a movie that has baseball in it. Yeah, yeah, right. It's not a primarily baseball movie necessarily, but I rank those a little differently than you. I go Field of Dreams number one, Sandlot number two. And uh, listen, I love the Sandlot. Yeah, but Field of Dreams, man. Uh, I am just that's the that's the movie that kind of hits at uh, what I've talked about earlier about kind of uh, my buddy Chris Garber used to say that at one time he said uh, I was kind of one of these gooey Field of Dreams baseball fans. You know, I like the I like the you know, just sort of sappy romanticism of baseball, and Field of Dreams really brings that. So, so so you you and Chris are not like Craig Calcaterra. <laughs> In no way am I like Craig Calcaterra. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, f- I feel like you guys are both lawyers, so... Well, that's a good point. That's the only that, way. But that, that's it? That's the only way. So, okay. Kyle Kapler asks... This is a, it's another uh, clipboard question. Why do people drive on parkways but park on driveways? Um, because the English language is weird. That, it's, really, it's, I, it's, all, it's all I got. Kyle, I'm sorry. I'm, just not, I'm not smart enough to answer that one. But um, the next question is right down my alley. What's the dumbest thing you've ever done? Chad, don't tell him that it was you letting me on the podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Well, okay. If that's taken away from me, what can I say here? The dumbest thing I have ever done. <sighs> I mean, I'll, I'll go. I've got, I've got it. I, I know go what ahead. it is. So I was trying to fix my garage door, and I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, you know what? Just don't do this yourself. It's dangerous. Let it go. Leave it be. Pay somebody to do it. Ten seconds later, my thumb is broken and it's bleeding all over the place, and I'm making a phone call so somebody can come take me to urgent care. Yeah, that's dumb. Um, if I had been, I don't know, half an inch closer, I would ho- I would have no more thumb. So, Ooh. yeah. So that, I'm gonna go with that one because I knew what I was about to do was really stupid, and then I still did it and got hurt really bad for it. Yeah, you kind of deserved it, but I, I don't want to say that, but it's true. Yes, it is. I'm not even going to be mad about it. <laughs> the dumbest thing I've ever done, I don't know what the answer is because there's so many to choose from, but I'll talk about uh, uh, last summer. I thought it would be uh, fun to take the, we were with another family and we decided to go do uh, some jet skis. You ever been on a jet ski, Doug? Absolutely not. No well, way. Well, I have uh, many years ago and I got on, I thought, well, you know, I got to, let the kids know that I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm cool dad. And uh, first one to get on, and uh, I flipped that thing over within, I don't know, 10 seconds. 10 seconds. 
Just, just had to show off, didn't you? Well, you know, the kids thought it was hilarious. We had like, you know, <laughs> we had like six kids uh, in the group, and they just—that's uh, all they wanted to talk about the rest of the week. So, anyway, I'm just announcing publicly that I'm pretty much dumb in everything I do, and that just follows right along with it. Kyle Kapler also asks, "What's the best food to put ranch on?" We don't have to answer this because Joe uh, Farson's already answered it. Joe says the correct answer is yes. <laughs> Everything. <sighs> Hooper Pal. One last from patreon.com slash redlegradio. It's all about playing at home fields, but I feel that a ballpark as big as Great American Ballpark is much more expensive to run than a smaller park such as Slugger Field or in Columbus at Huntington Park. Would it make sense to use minor league parks for some home games? Also, sweeter sour pickles. That's also yes. But uh, I guess I don't really understand maybe the, the premise behind Hooper's question. Because if we're talking about playing home games in front of no fans, is it that much more expensive to, to run a game than a smaller park would be? What do you think, Doug? I, I don't know. I think that it may depend on the actual minor league field we're talking about. Now, I will say this much. I do know for a fact that the lighting that is required for a major league field is not the, the like the, the the standard is not the same for minor league fields. That's not to say that all minor league fields don't have the same quality of lighting, but they all don't. Some of them some of them probably do. Um, and maybe the ones that don't, it doesn't cost as much to run the lights because there may not be quite as much lighting for the field. I'm not entirely sure how it works out. I just know that the standards are different. Um, but I mean you gotta think about it like this too though. If teams are playing quote-unquote on the road then the team's got to put up the players in the hotels if they're playing at home hey guess what tucker barnhart you got to live at your house uh that that's going to add up pretty quick when you're trying to house 40 or 50 guys versus letting them live at home and you don't have to pay for it so i i, I think that if you are going to save some money somehow on stadium operation cost it would go right out the window trying to house 50 major league players and staff yeah yeah i'm not sure that i see where the savings would come but, again, I'd like to see the, the Reds go on the road, barnstorm at some minor league parks, but I don't, I don't know that it makes sense. All right, some more uh, viewer mail questions, Doug. These come from Twitter.com, the worst website on earth, Twitter.com slash redlegradio, hash brown viewer mail. First question comes from an account at DougDirt24. I'm not sure who this Yahoo is. Worst. Yeah. He's the worst. Yeah. His question was, if you had to take a hot air balloon ride with one former Reds manager's pet dog, which manager would it be and why? Now, there's only one correct answer here, Chad, but I want to hear yours first. I think there's only one correct answer as well, and I'm going to say it is uh, uh, Dusty Baker. The second time we've mentioned him this, because Dusty Baker's the coolest guy on earth, and I'm sure his dog is really fun too. Now, did I get it right or did I get it wrong? You may have convinced me that there were two right answers. Well, let's hear yours. That, that's, that's not what I was going to go with. I was going to go with Tony Perez because what's his nickname? Oh, big dog. Doggy. Right, so so how is how how fun could it be for the big dog's little dog oh. to be on the hot air balloon with you? Did they ever call uh, his son Eduardo Perez? Did they ever call him little dog? Yeah, I, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> I hope not. But now I wish I, wish I knew that answer. If you're out there listening... Uh, Red Lake Nation Radio crowd, uh, please let us know. Yeah, tweet it to at DougDirt24. Michael Harley, at Michael Harley 24 he asks, if you had to pick between keeping the whole 1977 Reds team together and going for another title, 
or adding Mike Trout to the Cincinnati Reds for two years, which would you choose? Now, let me give some context there. We've been doing uh, weekly, obviously, and we've gotten up to 1977 now in our um, Building the Machine podcast series here at Red Leg Nation Radio, where we're talking about how the, the Big Red Machine was built and uh, kind of going day by day with them. So one of the big discussion points we had about the 1977 season was, you know, they had traded Tony Perez and hey, Don Gullett left and it kind of was, you know, things were, things were changing. Dan Dreesen got more playing time. Ray Knight got in the lineup. And so he's saying if we could have kept the 1976, keep the band together, basically from 76 where they'd won back-to-back series, keep them together in 1977 to go for one more title or add Mike Trout to the Cincinnati Reds for two years, which would we choose? Now, I think there's only one correct answer here, Doug. So I'm going to let you answer, and we'll see if you get the same answer that I got. I guess I need a, a little bit more context here. Am I adding Mike Trout to the current Cincinnati Reds for the next two years? Yes. Or, okay. That's the way I read this. Oh, man. Well, here, let me give you my answer. Okay. You, you can tell me what you think. Because I did just kind of drop that on you. I think it's 100% adding Mike Trout to the Cincinnati Reds for two years. Because first of all, in 1977, I didn't know what was going on. And what, am I going to go back and read about what happened in 1977? Whatever. They already won two World Series back then. Is Mike Trout going to lead the Reds to the World Series? Well, maybe not. But I'd love to see Mike Trout in a Cincinnati Reds uniform for the next two years. It would make the next two years of my baseball watching more enjoyable. Whereas, you know, the 1977 Reds team together, how does that affect me any? So that's my answer. Now, it makes sense. In, in my mind, I was kind of thinking like, you know, since this is all hypothetical anyways, that I can go back in time and, you know, pretend that I was born in 1954 instead of 1984. So I'm fully able to enjoy seeing the 1977 Reds go for their third World Series championship. Um, in your scenario where I'm just kind of looking back at some, you know, historical video, yeah, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't affect me at all. Yeah. I got zero in like it's great that the seventy five and seventy six Reds won, you know, back to back World Series, but I didn't experience that. Did, did, I mean it, it's great that, you know, the team that I root for did that, but you know, I was I was ten years away from being born. So uh and in that scenario, definitely give me Mike Trout for the next two years. Uh I think that obviously if you're adding the best player in baseball to your team, it's gonna do you a lot of good. Uh so I, I I'd love to see that. Yeah. I just uh, even if I were around to have enjoyed baseball at that time, I, you know, there's no guarantee they're going to win a World Series anyway. I think it would have been smart to try to keep that in retrospect, completely in retrospect. I understand why Bob hasn't made those decisions, but it would have made, been, made some sense to keep that team together. But whatever. They just won back-to-back Sugar Bear. Alex Wallace at AWOL2 underscore O asks, Hash Brown, viewer mail, if the Reds were to build a new stadium, where would it be in the Cincinnati region, and who would be the new sponsor? Now, you know, this is kind of a trick question for me. I think Alex is trying to... Uh, first of all, I, like, I really like Great American Ballpark. I Perhaps I overrate Great American Ballpark, but I've been to a lot of Major League stadiums, and it's, it holds up. It's, it's better than people realize. And current ownership, I've been very critical of current ownership. But they've done a really good job of making the game day experience at Great American Ballpark better and better. If they're going to build a new stadium, I just I don't know. They feel, I feel like they need to be on the riverfront. That's the first part of it. I feel like the team needs to be on the riverfront. That's just maybe just me, but uh, and me, I wouldn't feel like that if I'd started watching them in, at Crosley. So, and who would be the new sponsor? You know, I don't care about that that much, except that to say that 
the Reds got the best stadium sponsor that you could possibly get because Great American Ballpark does not sound like there's a sponsor. I mean, it depends. You have to know that that's a, an insurance company, basically. It's, that's a great name for a stadium, even though it's a, a corporate sponsorship. So anyway. Right. Right. That, that's not Procter & Gamble Field, for example. Exactly right. Yeah. So well, what do you think? Uh, riverfront somewhere else? It's got to be on the river, right? Now, the, the, I mean, again, I, I, like you said, I, I love Great American Ballpark. I think it stands up fairly well. I just wish that it faced the city rather than facing Kentucky. That's just me. Yeah. I think that it would look better, especially with all the things that they've done downtown. It would look better looking out at the, uh, the, the buildings in Cincinnati rather than looking at a you know mall in Kentucky. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Looking out at the uh, having the, the skyline, basically, as you're viewing the outfield. And the television view coming from uh, behind the plate, anyway, uh, it just would have been it would have been gorgeous and for those night games. And you can see in in Pittsburgh how the surrounding area around the field just really makes a big difference. So, but I'm all for I'm all for the riverfront. I mean, if you're going to put it on the riverfront, uh, you know, you could have done something like San Francisco did, where it's a real thing to hit it for someone other than Adam Dunn to hit it into the into the river. Without that, I you know, it's not really uh, much to look out. At that way, I, I like Kentucky, but uh, I don't know. I'm gonna let you answer the next question. It comes from at PSR 1973. Oh, I feel like that sounds familiar. Philip Philip R. It says is his name. I'm not sure what his last name might be, but at PSR 1973. Now, before we ask the, answer the question, 1973. Do you think that means that's the year he graduated high school? Yes. Okay. His question. He has two questions. Actually, we're gonna we're gonna. Dig into both of these. First one, why am I here? What purpose? You're not here. Therefore, there is no purpose. Oh. Yeah, but he's always a bring into my brain space. Leave me alone, Philip R. Maybe maybe that's his purpose, to just <laughs> burrow his way into Chad's brain. Yeah, that's a, not a good place to be some days. So I don't know, Phil, but I'm glad you're here, I guess. <laughs> Jeff Carr at J E F F F F F F F F Carr or something like that. Sounds right. The host of the Locked On Reds podcast. They had any good guests on that Locked On Reds podcast lately, Doug? I don't know. I haven't listened. I don't know. Not that I know of, no. Go look at their podcast and you'll see the recent guests. Which current or former Reds player would you write on a Vespa with and why? Hash Brown viewer mail. Which current or former Reds player would you ride on a Vespa with and why? Now, a Vespa obviously is these little, uh, one of these little scooters, you know, uh, popular in European countries, specifically Italy. Which current or former Reds player would you ride on a Vespa with? To me, it feels like there's only one appropriate answer to that, and that would be former Reds, uh, obscure former Red pitcher, Gino Mignotelli. Because that sounds like a guy that would ride a Vespa. Gino Minutelli. What do you think? You got a better answer than that, Doug Gray? I mean, I was going to make a joke about, you know, going on a ride with the Vespa with somebody who passed away, and so it's like me taking a ride with a zombie, but, you know, your your answer was pretty good, so I'm going to go with that. Uh, oof. Okay. Um, I, I'm weird. I'm sorry. <laughs> I appreciate that. Achille Asiason is a Bengals fan here. Achille Asiason at New Day underscore Who Day. Hash Brown viewer mail, who's the best Canadian baseball player of all time? I know we're biased, but is Joey Votto better than Fergie Jenkins, 
and Larry Walker. What do the experts say? That's a pretty good group. Joey Votto, Fergie Jenkins, Larry Walker. Only one of those guys is not a Hall of Famer right now. I'll say this much. I don't think that I'd put Joey Votto ahead of Larry Walker yet. I think that by the time he's retired, he will surpass him, but I don't think he's there yet. Yeah, I agree. I think right now it's Larry Walker for me. Uh, Criminally underrated player. Criminally. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I'm hopeful that Votto's going to get there. I think he will. I do. I think he will as well. Dr. Johan Resurgum, I don't know, at Theopolophil, I don't know. His question, because he's trying to troll me here, just for the record. He's trying to troll me. What are your top five favorite Mark Ruffalo movies? Hmm. Top five favorite Mark Ruffalo movies. Can you believe he asked that? I mean, I can believe he asked that, yes. You're absolutely right also that he is definitely trolling you. Yeah, let me find uh, the block button here. I mean, seriously, Dr. Johan? I mean, first of all, if you don't know, Mark Ruffalo is my sworn enemy. Uh, I just, he is the worst actor in the history of the universe. No one overacts more than Mark Ruffalo. and he not, has, not even Jim Carrey? No, no, no. And so he has become my arch enemy over the years. I block three Twitter accounts. That's all I block. I don't block anyone else on Twitter. I block... The Duke Blue Devils basketball Twitter account. I blocked the St. Louis Cardinals Twitter account, and I blocked Mark Ruffalo. If you want to know what I think of Mark Ruffalo, Duke and the Cardinals. There you go. What are your top five? Do you, do you have top five, Mark Ruffalo? I, I do. I do. Uh, these are not going to be in, in any order, but I really liked Just Like Heaven. Ugh. I, I know, I know, Chad, I know. Zodiac. Ugh. Oh, I just, it's really Ugh. bad. Shutter Island. Ugh. Now you see me. Oh, I just threw my mouth a little bit. Foxcatcher. Oh, gosh. Actually, Zodiac was good. I can't deny it, but uh, anyway. None, none of the uh, the movies where you played the big green guy? I mean, they, I enjoy them. I do, but, you know, I only get to pick five. And unlike Chad, Mark Ruffalo is not my arch nemesis. <laughs> I enjoy those uh, Avengers movies as well, but I just he's just embarrassingly bad as the Incredible Hulk. Jason Beam- <laughs> Jason Bemis La- Jason Bemis Lawrence at J Bemis L asks if you could see a remake of any movie with Joey Votto playing the main character, which movie would it be and why? A remake of any movie with Joey Votto playing the main character, which movie would it be? And why? I've got two. My first right. one is John Wick. Can you imagine Joey Votto playing John Wick? I mean, I can. You don't but like it? No. I don't. I don't know. It, it's yeah. My other it's one is so. It's so good already. <laughs> that's true. That's true. He might not improve the movie, but I could see him. I would like to see him doing that. My other one is Casablanca. With him playing the Humphrey Bogart character, because I just Joey Votto, I could see him pulling that off. Just that the fedora and uh, he was looking at you, kid. I just, uh, you know, that's that's my answer. Do you have an answer for that? I'm gonna go with Big. Oh, Big, really? Yeah, I want to see Joey Votto playing a 12 year old who became a 30 year old overnight. A little Tom Hanks action. I like it. I like it. Tyler Doyle at Tyler A Doyle. How many years would a World Series win hold you over? For me, I'd say probably three seasons. 
How many years would a World Series win hold you over? For me, I'd say probably three seasons, says Tyler Doyle. To be honest with you, at this point in my life, a World Series win would probably hold me over until the bitter end. I'm with you because I still don't remember one actually happening in real time. Unfortunately, my first actual World Series memory was the 1991 World Series. Oh, <laughs> that's brutal. It really is. That is brutal. I just, I've had this conversation with people. It's a big topic of conversation on uh, University of Virginia basketball Twitter. And, you know, because Virginia won the basketball championship last year after never, ever really coming close in the history of the, the program over 100 years. And so, you know, my, my thing has been, you know, they stunk at the beginning of this season. They turned it around by the end. But I was like, you know, whatever. It's all house money at this point, you know. But now they're the two-time defending national basketball champions. That must be nice. Which former or current Reds players would be in a grunge band? I mean, Bronson Royo has got to be at the top of the list, right? It's the obvious answer. What about uh, what about a guy like uh, Derek Dietrich? I think he'd have to grow his hair out, but he seems like a, a grunge band guy. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, you know, I, I see him more as like a an '80s rock band kind of guy. Hmm. Hair I mean, metal. He just, yeah, he just just the, the persona, man. Like he just seems like he could be the lead singer for a real like high profile '80s rock band. Yeah, I could see him replacing uh, David Lee Roth with the. Uh, That's funny. With, with I, literally, what I was thinking—the exact same scenario. Yeah. He has to be better than Sammy Hagar. I mean, surely, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> Frank Novak, at the Frank Novak. Which actors would star in the movie about the 2020 Reds? What actors would star in the movie about the 2020 Reds? Here's my answer: to That there'd be no actors because it's going to be a documentary about how they in this crazy season. They race to their first world championship in 30 years. Be a great documentary. Going undefeated the entire way. Oh, there you go. It's a documentary. Um, but other than if it's not a documentary, I think obviously the, the only answer is uh, Melissa McCarthy would play every player. I'd pay to see that. At Nathan Richards. Actually, he's not at Nathan Richards. That's his name. He's at Water <laughs> Thunder 567. He's probably at his house. He probably is. At, or at, at he's also at Water Thunder 567. Who do you think will be the Reds' next minor league future star to be traded? Boy, Nathan, a little bit of cynicism sounds like in that question. And But you're our, you're our minor league guy, Doug. Who do you think will be the Reds' next minor league future star to be traded? I, I have no idea. Um, I, with the way things are right now, it's just... I mean, I don't ever like answering this question anyways, but in this season... I mean, who knows? Because it, it feels like all of their top high-end prospects are the guys that they're going to be counting on to be on that expanded roster, whatever it winds up being this year, because there's not going to be a minor league season probably. So they have to have, quote-unquote, backup players or a taxi squad or whatever you want to call it ready to go. And if there's not going to be a minor league season, you're not going to trade Jose Garcia or Tyler Stevenson or Nick Lodolo because you might need those guys uh, just – out of you know sheer depth because there's only so many guys you can go go to at this point. I, I think this year will be really weird in the sense of you know trading prospects that are you were expecting to be in double A AA or triple A this year just because the teams themselves are going to be relying on those guys way more than ever before. The correct answer here, Doug. I know you're the minor league guy, but I'm going to have to correct you. The correct answer is they're going to trade Hunter Green before he blows his arm out. Please don't put that on Twitter. 
that I, that I, I said I'm that. Not, I'm, not, I'm not even responding to, to this. <laughs> I love you, Hunter, baby. Uh, one last question, actually, here. This is going to go back to uh, patreon.com slash redlegradio. My buddy Rich Thompson got in under the wire here as we're recording, just posted this question. Looking back, which prospect slash player do you think that the Reds gave up gave up too early on? Likewise, which prospect player do you think that they held on to for too long and that never capitalized on their potential? Man, that's, that's, that's a question that could be answered a million different ways, but is there somebody that you think of, Doug, a, a prospect or any player in the past, uh, current or far in the past, that the Reds gave up too early on? Yes. Danny Tartable. Ooh, Danny Tartable. Boy, you pulled that one out. That's probably yeah. the first Danny Tartable reference in the history of Red Lake Nation Radio. Yeah, so uh, he was really good um, when he was with the Reds, and then you know they they lost him in an obscure draft situation that doesn't exist anymore. But I've got a I've got a part two answer for this too. Let's hear it, J- Jimmy Wynn. Jimmy Wynn. I mean, they didn't even really give up on him so much as they just failed to protect him. Which, I mean, I guess it's the, same, it's the same thing that happened with uh, Danny Tartable, too. Two completely different drafts and scenarios, but they could have kept both of those guys around and protected them and didn't. They took their chances that nobody else would take them, and, well, they lost both of them. I'm going to I'm gonna go kind of off the board here a little bit, and I'm going to say— Hold on. I, I picked the guy from the 60s and the early 80s. That's not going off the board? <laughs> well, no. Um, okay. okay. Yeah, and it is. It is. But the guy I'm going to say is going to be Mike Schmidt. Who is a you know Cincinnati area guy, a Dayton guy who the Reds scouted and said, "Ugh, he doesn't. Uh, he's too slow and he doesn't play defense." And refu- and didn't even they, you know they could have uh, potentially uh, acquired him and they did not. So now the second part of that question: Which prospect do you think that they held on to for too long and never capitalized on their potential? That list is probably a million players long, don't you think? I mean, at least a half a million players long. At least, yeah. So that's a tough one. That's a tough one to answer. But man, you did go with uh, the toy cannon, Jimmy Wynn. That's pretty good. Yeah, I I had some fun writing about both of those guys over at RedsMinorLeagues.com uh, this past. Uh, I guess it was last week, but yeah, I it, it's fun to imagine what would have happened had they both been kept in the organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, we're kind of out of time. Rich, I see you just uh, posted another question, but we're really out of time here. I'm going to go ahead and answer it for you personally. The answer is Goldfinger. Goldfinger. This has been episode number 324 of Red Leg Nation Radio. You can find us everywhere you find your podcast. We're there. Uh, go check us out on Spotify if you want to. We're there with Joe Rogan. And, uh, you know, redlegnation.com, following the Reds every single day since 2005. Check that out, redsminorleagues.com. At Redleg Radio on Twitter, I'm at Dotson C. He's at Doug Dirt Twenty Four. Doug, any uh, parting thoughts for us here today? Let's hope that the next time the two of us get together for this year' awesome podcast, we've got some actual real baseball to talk about. Absolutely. For Doug Gray and Danny Tartable, this is Chad Dotson saying, "So long, everyone." Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.